you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. everybody it's tuesday january 30th 2024 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where sometimes it's better to be lucky than good it's me your man mg marcus grant joined by michael f florio and laquan jones uh gentlemen uh, we are down to two teams uh laquan i'm gonna ask you because you are the resident rams fan which means you're also the requisite 49er hater yes um your (laughs) your thoughts on what you saw this weekend uh man i I hate to see you guys in the bowl but man i gotta respect (laughs) it i gotta respect it man brock purdy showed up man I got to respect him, man. I respect his game. And, you know, shout out to you guys. Bring it home for the West. If it makes you feel any better, the Rams do have a Super Bowl title more recently yeah, than the yeah, 49ers. Yeah. They have multiple multiple titles more recently than the 49ers. So that, you know, that, that counts for something. It's like you win it and then your enemy wins it. Like you're kind of like, oh, come on, man. This is supposed to be my thing. <laughs> I, I got to know. Mar- Marcus, what was your reaction on Sunday? Because I'm sure you were you were not. Feeling um, great. He was yeah, sweating. It was, I was, I wasn't sweating. I was just dejected and angry, mostly more than anything, right? Because I'm watching the Niners get carved up. So that first drive, the Lions just like bang, bang, bang down the field. Jamison Williams runs one in from like 40 yards out. And I'm like, ugh. I was like, yeah. this is sort of worrisome. But, you know, if the offense can, you know, come back and, and answer, then everything's great. The Niners come back and Jake Moody misses a field goal. The Lions go down to score another touchdown. And at that point, I'm like, okay, now we have a problem. Um, <laughs> and watching them just do whatever they want and pick up third. Like when they picked up a third and 13, followed by a third and 18 at that yeah. point, I was just kind of like, well, um, the Dodgers start back soon. You know, like this is, <laughs> moved on to a completely sort of different sport. <laughs> I mean, look, the Warriors are bad. Uh, in fact, like I would say this, 49er Twitter and Bay Area sports Twitter were in shambles because there was talk about 
Has the Super Bowl window closed? Uh, does Steve Wilkes make it past halftime? Does he get fired in the locker room? Uh, you know, they're like, it's going to be bleak for Bay Area sports because the Warriors are on the struggle bus. The Giants and A's are supposed to be bad. The A's have one last season in Oakland. Um, the Niners are sort of the last hope. So in the, the first half, things were bleak. Uh, I was just sort of stealing myself, preparing myself for the loss. It's like, okay, well, the Lions will be fun. That'll be a nice story. Um, and then, you know, everything sort of sort of turned around, which yeah. uh, I guess sort of leads us into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk some coaching carousel because a lot of coaches have been hired, including one that was hired as an OC earlier today. Uh, but do want to start with the championship. So let's just let's get into it. I was going to talk Chiefs Ravens first, but since we're on this, the 49er Lions tip, uh, I mean, I, I want to ask you guys, because I know how I feel about this, but I mean, Florio, for you as an impartial observer, was it, do you feel like the Niners won that game or did the Lions let that thing get away? I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like the Lions definitely, uh, that second half, they were playing tight. They, they let it fall through their, their fingertips. And I'm not of the mindset of like bashing Dan Campbell for going for it on fourth down. I know that was a popular uh, viewpoint this this week, but that's who they've been all year. He's added more points for the Lions than any head coach this season because his decisions to go for it. Now, if Josh Reynolds catches one that hits him in the jersey yeah. number or the <laughs> other one that hits him in the hands or the defender doesn't let the ball bounce off his face mask and go to Brandon Ayuk or <laughs> uh, a whole other like then. Yeah, then we could have that conversation maybe. But him going forward on fourth down wasn't even the worst coaching decision he made. The run on third <laughs> and goal wasting the timeout was the worst coaching decision he made that day. So I think the Lions definitely had a huge part in letting this game slip away. But if a team is letting it slip away, the other team has to still take advantage of that. And not only did they erase the biggest deficit in NFC Championship game history, they went up by 10 after that. So yeah. as much as we could say the Lions gave it away, the 49ers also played tremendous in the second half. They did. I, I still sort of believe that the it was more of the Lions kind of tripping over their own feet. You mentioned the Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds catches that football. Um you know, I don't know. I, I believe they go down and score a touchdown again and really maybe put that game out of reach. Uh, Josh Reynolds drops the pass. Uh, you know, the Niners come down, score. Then Jameer Gibbs immediately fumbles the ball away. The Niners come down, score again. And then I think you're right, though, Florida. The only dis coaching decision I really had an issue with was them running the ball. I, you know, mm -hmm. I know everybody like likes to look at Dan Campbell's like, why didn't you take the points? Why didn't you kick it here? You, you kicked it at the end of the first half. Why didn't you kick it later? Um, I think they were very different situations. And to your point, this is who he has been. Uh, I think it was Kevin Clark who made the point that by going against what you normally do, what your normal philosophy is, that makes you Brandon Staley. And we see what happened to Brandon Staley. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he should be a ram soon, hopefully. <laughs> Brandon Staley. Yeah. Come back as a DC, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, the, the other thing though is like everyone just assumes that that field goal was going to be made like yeah yeah from a bills fan who saw an even shorter <laughs> field goal missed the week before it, it is not a guarantee and someone asked me on twitter like what would the narrative be if dan campbell chose to kick there and they missed the kick and it would be why did he get away from what he's done all year exactly <laughs> you can't win it man you can't win that argument <laughs> I'm for uh, it. Yeah, that's the worst part about being a head coach <laughs> is that it is totally results based. Um, you know, I mean, like literally, like I say this 
and, and I, I had an old Boston mentor who used to talk about this all the time, right? Like, and you know, this is a Bills fan, even if you weren't maybe sentient at the time. Um, if Scott Norwood doesn't push a field goal wide right, the narrative about the 90s Bills is completely different, right? If, if he doesn't miss that field goal and they win at least one of the four, right? It's just a different feel about Jim Kelly and the rest of that Bills team. Mm-hmm. What Scott Norwood did, like, you know, the Bills battled for 59 minutes and some change and then Scott Norwood misses a field goal and everything about the narrative is set for the Bills. So it, it, sometimes the narrative is set and you have nothing to do with it and it's totally not fair. Yeah. Anyway, in terms of actual fantasy related type things, Jameer Gibbs had himself a really nice day uh, running the football, catching the football. Uh, Laquan, how much did his fantasy draft stock go up for next year? I mean, I saw people and maybe it was tongue in cheek saying he's the 1.02 behind Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) That seems like an exaggeration, but legitimately, I mean, has he pushed himself to the first round? Um, I don't know, man. That first round is still sticky for me to kind of pinpoint the running backs in there. Like, I don't even have Kyron Williams going in the first round in in some of my draft uh, rankings. Like, Jameer Gibbs to me seems like a early second round pick, maybe like in the mid to latest, but... To me personally, his stock does rise because with some of the news today that we're going to touch on with one of the offensive coordinators. So I really feel as though next season, like me looking at Gibbs, like I don't want to reach for him because I think the better value here is David Montgomery, who also had an amazing season as well. So I feel like, you know, if you're going to get Gibbs, you, you why not get both? Get Monty as well. Stack them up. My question is, and I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you have any guesses, Florio, that I think next year we're going to see Gibbs in more of a primary role. This year it was Montgomery who was sort of the primary back and Gibbs was the secondary change of pace. I mean, eventually by the end of the year, they were pretty much 1A and 1B. I have a feeling next year that sort of flips where it's Gibbs is the 1A, Montgomery more as the 1B and how much does it matter that Ben Johnson is coming back? I mean, I know we're going to talk some some offensive coordinators. Part of the news that we learned this morning, like literally moments before we started recording, Ben Johnson has said no to the Washington Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks. He wants to stay in Detroit. So at least we know in terms of philosophy and scheme, things stay the same. I mean, so I, That's I don't huge. know. Can, can you make the case, Florio, that he's a first round pick? For me, he's a first round pick. Um, I, I have him as a top five as of today, as of January 30th. I have him as a top five fantasy running back into next season. CMC is one. Brees Hall is two to me. Then I think after that, it's it's Bijan Gibbs and Kyron Williams in whatever order you want to put them in. Not mad at that. Yeah. Ben Johnson is huge because the the less unknown in fantasy, the better. And, and we've seen it before where like the Eagles are a great example from this year. It's like, okay, they lost their OC, but they brought all of their pieces back and the offense was not the same. So knowing that all of the primary pieces of this offense and their play caller is going to be back is huge, I think. And I agree with you, Marcus. I, I think we started to see Gibbs take over more and more as the season went on. And I anticipate he will be the lead back next year. And not only that, he's more explosive. He's a better pass catcher. Those are things that I want in my fantasy running back because that's how you can put up points in chunks. And David Montgomery, as awesome as he was this year, was still a little touchdown reliant. So I I, I don't think either one is a bad value at where I anticipate them going. But I'm a sucker for upside and explosiveness. So I'm all in on Gibbs. I mean, it's hard to not be what we saw down the stretch and then what we saw in the playoffs. It's hard to not be. 
Uh, Jared Goff, though. I mean, this is your former Ram quarterback, yeah. LQ. Who, <laughs> he's a different player now. He is a he different is. quarterback he's now than up. when he was with the Rams. I, when I wrote this question down, I actually made a list to see how I feel about this. Is he a top eight fantasy quarterback next year? Yes. Based on the weapons around him, you have to respect it. And like, I'm not mad at where he'll probably go in drafts next year. And he'll basically be a steal. Like if you're waiting on the quarterbacks, like he played some good ball this year, man. And one of the more important things was that, you know, he protected the ball. He didn't have a ton of turnovers, only 12 interceptions in the regular season, which is, you know, kind of low for golf. Like I'm used to seeing 20 and 22, you know, turnovers total from him, including fumbles. So it's like, he, he played some really good ball and he has the city behind him. He has the confidence. And I think he's their franchise quarterback and he should get the bag. I was I made a list in no in no particular order of quarterbacks that I would consider taking ahead of Jared Goff. Uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Um, and then this is where it kind of got like, all right, I feel like he fits in with this good Jordan Love. Uh, CJ Stroud, although I'd probably take Love and Stroud ahead mm. of of Goff. Uh, Justin Herbert right now is sort of the one, and, and we're going to talk about, or we can talk about, because we, we talked a little bit last week about Jim Harbaugh, but without knowing what receivers are going to be there, without knowing who the offensive coordinator is there, I do have some reservations about Justin Herbert, so I might slide Goff slightly ahead of Herbert. I don't know if that's that's crazy to you guys. That's not that's not crazy to me, man. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of unknowns over there in L.A. So I respect it. You're going with the safe pick. You're going with known talent and you played some of his best ball. O.C. coming back. Everything's remaining the same. So you got to full send it. Uh, him versus Herbert is to me is incomplete right now because we have to see, like you said, so so much is going to change there for right now. I'm, I'm cool with putting golf over him. Uh, two names that you didn't say, Marcus, and maybe you were going to. Anthony Richardson and Kyler Murray. I'll take Ooh. both of them over Jared mm. Goff. The rushing upside, I like it. Yeah, that, that's the thing is Jared Goff could be a top eight fantasy quarterback next year. I'm not willing to draft him as one because this year and, and what I would argue was his career year potentially, uh, in total points, he finishes QB seven. And that's playing two more games than C.J. Stroud, Patrick Mahomes having a bad year. So I kind of feel like top eight is when we're getting towards Goff's ceiling because he doesn't run enough. Um, yeah. And because of that, I'm, I think he's the perfect quarterback to pair with, say, a Anthony Richardson or a Kyler Murray because you have the safe option in Goff, but then you have that upside game changer potential with the running quarterback. Absolutely. So does that mean that outside of, say, the top five or six, right? Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, Jackson, Burrow. Let's call it that. Are those the only guys you would draft and just have them be your quarterback? Like everybody else, if you're drafting Love or Stroud or obviously Herbert or Goff, does that mean you're automatically having to draft another quarterback later? Mm, For me, no. In a way where like, I feel comfortable with Jared Goff as my QB one. Um, when his bye week comes in, then, you know, I'll hit up a Sam Howe or a Trevor right. Lawrence or whatever the case may be. But I've, I really feel like I feel comfortable where I'll probably get him in drafts where I can stack and get good value on other players to build around him to kind of support his week to week. For me, Marcus, it's the guys that you said minus Joe Burrow, because as awesome as Joe Burrow is, the best ability is availability. 
And he hasn't been out there in two of the four seasons he's been in the NFL. So there's very few quarterbacks where I wouldn't take a second one. And that is different from what it was like two years ago, I would say. I also think it's interesting that we are at the point now where we're like, we're, you know, Laquan's like, yeah, when Jerry Goff is on a bye week, I I might look at Trevor Lawrence. Like that's 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 where we're at right now. I like how I slid that in. That's where we are right now, right? Or a couple years ago, we're like, this guy's going to be a game changer. He's a generational quarterback. And now yeah. it's like, yeah, no, he's a good buy week replacement. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's where we're at. Yeah. That's where we're at right now. Nasty work. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's for these recaps. I mostly wanted to focus on the teams that, that are not advancing. Cause we're gonna have time certainly next week, especially to talk about the two teams that are in the game. Kind of want to look back on the other side in the AFC side, the chiefs, a 17 to 10 winner over the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Floria, who had a worse day? Was it Lamar Jackson or was it Todd Monken? Both, but <laughs> Todd Monken. Um, I, I, I do not understand the game plan at all. Like, so weird. The, the Chiefs have been built on stopping the pass all year. Uh, arguably one of the best secondaries in football, but their weakness has been the run. We saw the Bills the week prior run, run it very successfully on them all year. Home, road, it hasn't mattered. They've struggled against the run. I was saying it last week to you that Chris Jones, immediately after beating the Bills, was like, we need to shore up against the run, especially with Lamar Jackson. Then, add in that Willie Gay, their quarterback spy, wasn't out there, and and they dropped back, I believe, more in this game than in any game this year. So, I understand trying to catch your opponent off guard, but playing into their strength, which also happens to be your weakness on offense, is just Poor coaching, in my opinion. Yeah, that just was it was wild to me that they did not really attempt to run the football in that game. That had been their identity and they ran it really well the week before against Houston. They just didn't try Um, the fact that they they ran the ball 16 times against the Chiefs. uh, 41 pass plays, 37 pass attempts for Lamar Jackson. It just was it was just the antithesis of everything you thought they were going to do offensively. Now it didn't help that I think Lamar forced some throws that, that interception late throwing it a triple coverage in the end zone was, that broke my heart. It was indefensible. It was was an indefensible decision from Lamar in that situation, but also it just, it seemed like they played way to the straight. I saw some folks uh, kind of in Ravens Twitter talking about the fact that it was almost like, the coaching staff wanted to go out and prove a point about what they could do, that they could play away from type and be successful against Kansas City. And in the end, uh, they just continue to feed into the narrative that Lamar Jackson can't win big games when they just did not play to their strengths at all, which was it was wild to me. I did feel vindicated because I, I had been hyping up Josh Allen as the MVP. So seeing them play the same defense a week <laughs> apart and have very different results, felt a lot vindicating to me. <laughs> Um, I hope that helps because Lamar's still going to win the MVP. <laughs> Lamar's yeah. winning the MVP. No he doubt. has to. They got to give it to him. Lamar's still going to win the MVP. So, you know, at least you have that to hold on to, though. Um, so we saw uh, Mark Andrews come back. He, was, he wasn't on the field much, which I don't think is a big, big surprise considering the injury he had and, and how long he had been out. Uh, Isaiah likely, though, stepped in and really played well in this postseason. Now, on Sunday, they sort of ate off each other's plates because they had a combined five targets, uh, four catches for 31 yards between the two of them. And I, it made me wonder, Laquan, is this going to be what we see going forward? Are we going to see 
more 12 personnel, more situations with both these guys on the field. Uh, and should we be worried for one or the other in terms of their fantasy production if they are both getting more playing time? Yeah, I'm slightly worried just based on, you know, Isaiah like, likely playing so good with his opportunities, man. I, I, I love watching him play this year, you know, stepping in for Mark Andrews. But I think next year when we're looking at that board, we're looking at Mark Andrews. We just have to keep in the back of our minds that Isaiah likely is good at football. And I think there's other tight ends that I'd rather, you know, take off the board, honestly, than Andrews, you know, being that he's beat up, coming back and likely they're honestly going to be eating off each other plates. So there's, you know, there's tight ends like Laporta and Trey McBride. I'd rather take next year over Andrews just based on with likely just in the shadows, getting on the field and performing. Uh, I mean, is that is that where you are at with uh, with likely and Andrews, Florio? Uh, I still think at full strength, Mark Andrews will be will be the guy. But yeah, it's cer- certainly more of a concern than than we've had with Mark Andrews, especially coming off the injury. Andrews, I think, belongs in the the tight end one tier, but. Like Laquan said, I, like there's going to be tight ends going in the same range, like Sam Laporta, Trey McBride, that I will probably feel better about grabbing than Mark Andrews. Yeah, it's just hard to keep likely off the field. That's what it is. Right. Who do you guys have as your tight end one? Is it Laporta? Is it still Travis Kelsey? Laporta. Laporta to me, yeah. I'm still not fully sold that Kelsey is not retiring. I don't, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I was just curious uh, at this point. I, I think I lean Kelsey, but you know. Um, you can you can change my mind. You can definitely make me you know, make me think differently. Um, maybe the biggest plays of the game came from Zay Flowers and not in a Oof, positive way. No. Uh, had a a taunting penalty after a big catch that got the Ravens down deep, but they lost 15 yards because he stood up and spun the football and stood over uh, a defender. The guy grabbed his leg. Hey, look, I, look, I'm not I'm not here to judge the nature of the offense. I'm just here to tell you what happened. Right. Like you can. I know Joe Burrow was tweeting, like, let them taunt or whatever. Like, you know, we can have a conversation about whether the penalty itself is right. Uh, but the call is the call. And then a couple of plays later on his way to what looked like a touchdown. He fumbles the ball just outside the goal line. The Chiefs get it back. Uh, and that put a big dagger in Baltimore's opportunities. Now. Laquan Zay Flowers says that he has put it past him. He said this was the most fun year of football he's ever had, that he's gotten over it already. Um, Do you believe that? And where are you comfortable drafting him next year, considering he stepped up late in the season for Baltimore? No, he stepped up huge. I really like Zay. I mean, I feel comfortable taking him as my wide receiver, too, you know, in that range of like maybe the fourth, fifth round or whatever the case may be, because I think this Ravens team is going to come back with a vengeance. And, you know, he has the one year under his belt. Like you could utilize him all over the field, man. Like the dude is electric. You know, he made some bonehead moves, you know, in a big game. But I really feel so like he needs somebody else to support him as well to elevate his game. You know, with Andrew's not there. It kind of hurt him a bit for a couple of weeks. So he's definitely a one by based on situation. But I could see him as a solid wide receiver too for a lot of teams next year and so what florio sixth round fifth round seventh round where where are you like i i think like fifth sixth round something like that uh feels about right and, and the thing is i think we've seen zay flowers kind of like mature before our eyes in the sense that early hmm. in the year they were just kind of generating touches to him and being like all right the ball's in your hand go go get us some yards later in the year he, he became a downfield threat. And that's what we saw in, in the playoffs. I know they lost this game. And mm-hmm. I know Zay Flowers fumbled at the one. And 
Again, if you are a football player, young football player, don't extend the ball if it's if it's not fourth and goal because <laughs> it's just not worth it. Um, but he led them in targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns in that game. He was the only one out there doing anything for the Ravens. So I know it's easy to kind of pile on him. They wouldn't have even been in, in a situation to make the game that close without, say, Flowers. So uh, I'm a big, big believer in his ability. Uh, liked him coming into the draft last year. And I think year two with Lamar and this offense that we know now is going to pass, uh, I think it's easy to feel good about, Zay. He was the only pass catcher that did anything for Baltimore. Yeah. He had 115 yards in the touchdown. Uh, no one else had more than 39 yards uh, receiving in that game. Why sign Odell Beckham? The first half, he had zero targets. Eight routes ran that first half. Like, it didn't make sense. He's cooked. That's why. Cooked? <laughs> Why'd you sign Dalvin Cook? <laughs> he didn't do anything either. <laughs> in the postseason for Odell Beckham, uh, seven targets, four catches, 34 yards. That was it in the two games. Um, six of wow. those targets, three of those catches came on Sunday. Like in uh, against Houston, against Houston, he was he was on a milk carton um, and really didn't do much more against Kansas City, which is sort of surprising. I thought that he was going to have at least a minimal role yeah. uh, in in the playoffs, they're, but that wasn't Nelson really Aguilar the case there. Man. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nelly Swag was uh, was getting some opportunities uh, catching babies in the playoffs. Catching babies, right? I mean, we do need to find like, look, he's, he's played well since, since that moment several years ago, (laughs) he has improved. He has played, like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's like a top notch wide receiver in the NFL, but he's improved since then. He's become a playmaker. Yeah. Um, But you know, that guy and his big bubble eyes are going to live forever (laughs) on the internet. It's in his room somewhere. Um, (laughs) It's gotta be right. It's gotta be motivation. Uh, So anyway, um, we will dive next week into the actual matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Uh, we still have a whole week of uh, just, uh, I don't know, Pro Bowl issues and, and all sorts of other things to, to get through. So we'll get into the Super Bowl matchup uh, about a week from now. Uh, and then all next week, we kind of talk some more about that. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk some co- coaching carousel because it is spinning. So uh, we will dive into that in just a little bit here on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't need it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about some coaches. We've kind of been diving into it here and there, and there have been a lot of moves that have happened uh, since we last spoke to you. Uh, Florio, you and I talked a little bit last week about Jim Harbaugh and what that potentially means for the Chargers. We wait to see who their offensive coordinator is going to be. We wait to see what personnel moves they're going to make. But we do have some other things that have landed, including something that hits on Tuesday morning. And that is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to hire Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator. Immediately, Twitter.com was full of jokes about, you know, backup players getting more opportunities. I may have tweeted something about Calvin Austin. I saw a hashtag free Jalen Warren. Uh, I think Dar- Darnell Washington's name showed up in my mentions on multiple occasions. Uh, nothing has unified the fantasy community like our frustration and anger toward Arthur Smith. But Flora, you were hinting at this. You sound like you might have a little bit of a contrarian view. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Yeah. And, and let's off the top, like this, we've been hating on Arthur Smith on this show since before it was cool. Like going, this, this goes years (laughs) back. We've been on this mission. Um, But Like the the, what was so frustrating was you look at the Falcons team and you're like, there's a lot of talent on this team and they've invested all highly in a lot of these offensive picks. The Steelers have been a wasteland for fantasy for the last two years already uh, since Big Ben has retired pretty much. So it's not like he's ruining the stocks of Deontay Johnson and George Pickens more than Kenny Pickett (laughs) already has. Uh, And in fact, so I, I went through his year because two years as an OC, three years as a head coach, never finished higher than 19th in passing attempts, but four of the five years was top 10 in rushing attempts, and three of them he was top three. So I think this means that we're going to get a whole bunch of Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, and it'll be a lot like it was this past season in Pittsburgh where it's like, okay, you could the running backs are, are the only two really trustworthy pieces each week. George Pickens will pop randomly. Deontay Johnson will have a random game, stuff like that. But overall, I, I mean, you look at this Steelers offense. I, I've had this conversation with you, Marcus. I think it reminds me a little bit of Denver where like we overrated the wide receivers a little bit. And I think that's the case with Johnson and Pickens. But you look at their their offense and you're like, okay, this is a team that doesn't have a whole bunch in the passing game because of who their quarterback is. So why not just run the ball as much as you possibly can? And Arthur Smith, as much as I like to, to talk about the guy, uh, the one thing he has shown us is he can get the most out of his run game. So while I... I did not like him as the Falcons coordinator. I'm like, okay, if he's going to end up anywhere as an OC, Pittsburgh is the perfect place because I was already avoiding them for fantasy purposes. <laughs> and I think he fits the, the landscape of their offense pretty well. I love, I love that Florio's logic is, yeah, it's fine in Pittsburgh because I didn't want those guys anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't affect me whatsoever. Like, it was already drowning over there. <laughs> All right, so then, I mean, then, Laquan, does that mean we are... We're we're buying back in on Najee Harris at this um, point. Does that mean that? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like both running backs. I feel good with with Arthur Smith over there. We know they're going to run the ball a ton. You know, I'm I have my questions about the wide receivers, but at least with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, we have some clarity of their roles in some sort. Like who will be Ty- Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson in this situation? 
You know, I mean, honestly, I feel like if he can get, you know, Jalen Warren in open space and put him in the best ability to, you know, send it home and get involved in the passing game, this is great for fantasy for the running backs. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, except here's the thing. Najee Harris, for pretty much his entire career, has been incredibly inefficient as a runner, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I keep going back. He had that great rookie season which was bolstered very heavily by the fact that ben was he was broken. a target monster, right? Mm-hmm. He had 94 targets as a rookie because he had a broken down Ben Roethlisberger who was just mostly throwing panic targets out there, just sort of panic <laughs> dump offs to him, right? Help and me. when those went away, when those went away, we sort of saw how inefficient he was as a runner and how he wasn't able to make up the gaps. So, and it's not like he's going to win on volume because they do have, Jalen Warren there, right? So yep. like the if he's if he's back averaging, you know, 3.6, 3.7 yards per carry, it's not like he's going to get 25 carries on any given day to sort mm. of make up for that. So that's what sort of worries me about this. Um, but you're right. In terms of the passing game, Mike, I mean, it is what it is. Like they don't have a quarterback. Um, you know, George George Pickens will still have, you know, he'll still he'll still be George Pickens in that he'll have those games where, you know, you're like, what are you doing out there? And then he'll have those games where he goes <laughs> like four for four for like 130 and a touchdown. Like that is still in the realm. Like I guess to your point, Mike, nothing really changes in Pittsburgh. But I guess that's sort of also disappointing and sad. <laughs> I, want, I want things to be better. I want to dream a world where things are better for all of us. Look, if the Steelers offense completely crashes and burns, it might wash our hands away from Arthur Smith being in charge of an offense for a very long time. Oh, so well, it could yeah. be a good thing. <laughs> all right. All right. So toxic. Silver linings. Silver linings. Um, in Cleveland, the Browns have a new offensive coordinator. It is former Bills OC Ken Dorsey. Ooh. Now, Florio, I know you were sort of at your wits end with Ken Dorsey by the time he was let go. Um, Your thoughts on what this means potentially for Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, uh, a healthy Nick Chubb, the rest of that Cleveland offense. I think this is a good thing for fantasy. This is a bad thing for Browns fans because my beef with Ken Dorsey was never about it's not like he can't get the offense going at all. Like in his year and a little over a year and a half with the Bills, he ranked top five in explosive run rate, rush yards per attempt, uh, explosive pass rate, pass yards per attempt, pass touchdowns. Like Josh Allen was probably putting up his best fantasy numbers with Ken Dorsey. Stephon Diggs certainly was. Um The issue with Dorsey that I always had was it always felt like he was picking a play out of a hat at random. Like they would need two yards. It would be third and two and he'd call like a 60 yard pass play. It's like, okay, that, that doesn't make any sense here. So for winning a game, and that's what I care about as a Bills fan, it was frustrating. But from a fantasy standpoint... Uh, he he got a lot out of Josh Allen. He got a lot out of Stephon Diggs. He got a lot out of the, the whole offense. And what I love most of all, and I always joked about it, and I, I could say I love it now. I didn't love it when he was with the Bills. A lot of his offensive game plan was always like, we have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. You have to stop them if you want to beat them. So for real life purposes, that can get frustrating. But for fantasy, it just means your top guys are going to get a whole lot of volume. So I think this makes me like Amari Cooper more. I think it makes me like David Njoku more. Uh, And 
it could mean good things for Deshaun Watson as well. Yeah. The way you describe Ken Dorsey is basically the way I play Tecmo Bowl. It's like, I got these guys. <laughs> you got to stop them. Good luck. Um, sort of thing. And I guess look, when you've got two elite players at their respective positions, I mean, I, I guess that, that does sort of make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good for the Browns. I, I don't know. I mean, your, your, your feelings on this, Laquan. <laughs> um, I mean, look, like Florida said, I mean, for the most part, the Bills were a top five offense with his time there. And I, I feel like the Browns kind of need that with the solid pieces that he's walking into. I mean, you got Deshaun Watson, whatever he is, Mari Cooper, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, you know, when he gets back healthy, but Jerome Ford. So you have the pieces there to make this offense pop. I mean, the Browns have not had a top 10 offense since 2007 when we're talking total yards per game. And Derek Anderson was the starting quarterback. Spider-Man 3 was killing the box office. Like the number one <laughs> song was Beyonce Irreplaceable. Like this is a time machine for this Browns offense. Mm-hmm. So they kind of <laughs> need this offense to be top 10, to be able to win more games, to go further in the playoffs and et cetera, et cetera. Like this offense needs a change. And I think Ken Dorsey can get it done over there. Is Deshaun Watson the guy? Like I, I know they're tied to him because of the contract that they gave him. They are tied to him, but is is Deshaun Watson really the guy? We've seen so little of him in two seasons at Cleveland. He's played twelve games, you know, partially because of suspension. This year, because of injury. This year is a wash, I, honestly. I, this. I mean, I guess, but they're also forty percent of the way through a contract, and they're not <laughs> sure if he really is the guy that they want him to mulligan? be. <laughs> No, he played the <laughs> one less game than Joe Flacco or one more game than Joe Flacco, whichever it was. And Flacco put up better numbers. Yeah, that's kind of scary. You got to bring back Flacco. I, I mean, just to have some clarity in your mind in the QB run, you have to bring him back. You have to. Wow. We're just we're, we're giving up on DTR already. We're already kicking DTR to the curb. Uh, no, but oh my guy, but. Pretty Flacco went out there and bald man off the couch. <laughs> I, I think you tell Flacco, like, hey, don't sign anywhere else. We might need you. But uh, if Stay you by have the phone. him there, yeah, if you have him there, fans are going to be calling for a change anytime Listen, Watson struggles. Honestly, you, you, you got to have the right tools in the toolbox when you need to use them, man. <laughs> and I think having Joe there is going to be great for the locker room if things start to go south with Watson. I think he uh, needs to be there. I think, I don't know. I think Florida was onto something, man. If like, if you're Deshaun Watson and all of a sudden everybody's chanting Flacco, Flacco, because you had <laughs> like a bad <laughs> half, like that's just, that's just a recipe for disaster yeah. potentially. It's not good point. for him so mentally. I, I get it. No, no. Um, especially because like, I, you know, I don't know how much pressure he's feeling. He's got the big, huge contract. You mm-hmm. know, there's sky high expectations. Uh, at some point, he's going to start hearing that if yeah. he hasn't already. He showed flashes. Know. It's just it goes back to what I like to sit on, like lack of chemistry. Like there was a lot of times where the timing was off, you know. And so it's like, yeah, it's it's a lot of things that go into that. But this year is a wash. And con- and consistency, just yeah. being out there, I think, exactly. is going to be a, a big key there. So with Ken Dorsey in uh, Cleveland, the Bills have promoted interim offensive coordinator Joe Brady to the full-time OC position. Now, look, I remember, you know, about halfway through this tenure for Brady, a lot of people tweeting out the fact that in terms of efficiency, EPA and that sort of thing, the Bills' numbers were actually worse with Brady than they were with Ken Dorsey, um, it's just that the defense started playing better. They started figuring out different ways to win games down the stretch, and they were able to get into the playoffs. 
you and I talked about this um, a week or so ago, Mike, that the the Bills need somebody else not named Stefan Diggs to step up in the passing game. Uh, they've got two decent tight ends in Dawson Knox and and, uh, and Dalton Kincaid, but they are going to kind of eat off of each other's plates this whole time. I, I mean, I got to ask you as the Bills fan here, I mean, your thoughts on Joe Brady, is this is this actually an upgrade or is this kind of a lateral move for Buffalo? I, I think it's the exact opposite of the Ken Dorsey situation where I think it's good for real life purposes, but not great for fantasy because uh, one thing is Joe and Josh Allen kind of hinted at this uh, after the season was he said they did simple better under Joe Brady, but he said Joe Brady didn't get to put his own flair into the playbook. He was basically operating with Ken Dorsey's playbook. I'm sure he put you know, his own touch on things, but really curious to see what a whole off season will be. Also, like you said, they need to add wide receiver. Like if pick 28 or maybe they trade up is not a wide receiver. Uh, I will be one of the many angry Bills fans <laughs> there because they need speed on the outside and that could win downfield and everything. But I think it's worth mentioning under Joe Brady, the bills ran the ball more than any team in football. Um, Josh Allen was averaging just 233 pass yards per game and 1.6 touchdowns per game. He had 11 rushing touchdowns in nine games, which is awesome. But if some of those rushing numbers go down a little bit next year, we might like Josh Allen might not be the QB one like he's been each of the last four years when healthy. So that I think is concerning. James Cook gets a huge arrow up because he uh, excelled with Joe Brady. Stephon Diggs, though. 10.3 points per game in seven games with Ken Dorsey. He had less than 13 in one game this year. So the the whole fall off the cliff thing with Stefan Diggs happened with the change of offensive coordinator. So uh, it's one of those things, I think, for the Bills purposes, for how they want to play and and all of that. And I think a big reason why the defense played better was because they were getting more rest. They were on the field, not as much and all of that. But uh, for fantasy purposes, it might not be the best thing. I just yeah, I think I think what we saw out of the Bills late in the season is kind of what it's going to be. Now, maybe maybe it was just, you know, you had an offense that had to sort of change on the fly with a midseason change of coaching. And you know, we'll see what happens when they get a whole offseason to kind of work together. I do still think they need some personnel upgrades. Uh, I was with you, though, on, on James Cook, because that was my immediate thought is that this seems like a really good thing for James Cook. I need him to be more consistent catching the football. It feels like he's the guy who's going to make a ridiculous catch every once in a while and then just drop a couple of easy ones. Like that's sort of who he feels like right now. So I need him to be a little bit more consistent. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, Laquan, I mean, in terms of the the key pieces there, right? I mean, Josh Allen's still one of the first quarterbacks off the board, probably the first quarterback off the board. Stefan Diggs still, what, a top 10 receiver? I mean, nothing really changes in terms of their their fantasy value right now. No, yeah. I mean, nothing really changes for me with this. I mean, like Florio, he covered all the bases there. I mean, if Joe Brady didn't really get a chance to put his flair on and he was operating off of Ken Dorsey, like I really think, you know, he'll learn from the mistakes of the have nots and the lack of and et cetera, et cetera. And I think, you know, he'll be able to take over and he'll be able to get Stefan Diggs back to that top 10, top five conversation, you know, for fantasy. Yeah, um, I, I, I hope 
they can kind of keep that consistency throughout the year because that was something that was lacking. Speaking of lacking consistency, the Eagles were great at the start of the season. The offense sort of fell apart as we got later into the year. So to help remedy that, the Eagles are going to bring in Kellen Moore, formerly of the Los Angeles Chargers, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, to be their new offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, Laquan, this feels like great news for Jalen Hurts specifically. Um, Dallas Goddard, I think, as well gets a boost from this. Anybody else you see that that really gets some love here? Uh, yeah, the running backs, man. I think, you know, Swift and Gainwell, they'll be heavily involved in the offense as well. I mean, with Kyle Moore, man, I don't really think he had a true shot to turn this Chargers offense around. I mean, they rank 18th in total yards, but it was banged up in offense all across the board. I mean, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert itself. And then, you know, with the rookie Quentin Johnston, it just didn't work out. So there was like a mess over there for him to work, work with. So going over to the Eagles, he has more clarity of the roles and guys being available to to him, you know, to actually be on the field and execute some of these plays because I really saw flashes from the Chargers offense where you're like, all right, things are smoothing and grooving, but then everything just started falling apart, guys getting hurt and et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is a huge boost for this Eagles offense for fantasy and in real life. Jalen Hurts still, what, the top two, top three quarterback, Florio? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, do, you, do you disagree? Like, no, I didn't. I, like did, I, I, I agreed. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that that mm sounded uh, sounds like you, <laughs> I'm a little worried, like you had but a, I, I, I'm still on board with top three conversation. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, now I'm curious. Like, I don't know, man. It's just the season he had. I, I wanted to ask you guys, though, because I, I still believe in Hurts uh, as the running quarterback and all. And I agree with Laquan's point. I was very, very high on Kellen Moore. Like, I picked the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert to win the MVP, I thought Kellen Moore was going to have that big of an impact. And I get it, the injuries and all of that. On the flip side of things, the Cowboys offense got better without Kellen Moore. So now I'm wondering, like, it, should I should I have faith in Kellen Moore after seeing that team get better, especially on deep ball passes, which is where the Eagles struggled so much last year? I have I, I'm not as confident in Kellen Moore as I was a year ago. I think that's kind of unfair, though, because they didn't have Brandon Cooks. So that deep ball. I mean, but last year they had they had Keenan Allen. They had Mike Williams, at least early part of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had pieces there. I mean, I know that, you know, I I know Austin Eckler was not healthy for a good chunk of the year and he, he just didn't look the same. But there were pieces. There were pieces there uh, for for the, the Chargers. Uh, are you still holding out hope on Quentin Johnston, Florio? Yes, if they take another wide receiver, like if, if that fifth overall pick is obviously Martin Harrison Jr. would be would be Ugh. the ideal one, but it feels like he's going to go four. Um, but yeah, if I, I don't think he can be a wide receiver one at the NFL level, um, and I am kind of unless they take a pay cut or something like that, I'm expecting the Chargers to move on from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, so I'm not because because I said it a couple of weeks ago, like yes, I understand that he dropped. A s- multiple like 60 yard touchdown passes that bounced off of his hands, but he was able to get open downfield for that 60 yard <laughs> touchdown pass. So if these, if these hands of his remember how to catch the football and, and that is something that comes with development, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I could still see him being productive at the NFL level. 
I'm not willing to give up on him yet. No, me either. And and look, and if it's to the point that they are moving on from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, that does open up a lot more opportunity for him. I think with Williams and Allen there, it's hard to see him get a chance. Um, this potentially could be his big opportunity this year to see if he can it be a playmaker there. Um, but anyway, that belies the point. Uh, Kellen Moore to the charge or to the uh, the Eagles from the Chargers. Uh, he's got plenty of weapons to work with there in terms of Swift and Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts, plenty of pieces for them to work with. Um, they just need that consistency in the back half of the season that they didn't have. That's, that's kind of the big, the big key for them. Uh, last one, the Falcons have hired Rams quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator, Zach Robinson as their offensive coordinator. Um, I asked someone else this question, Laquan. I'll ask you. I mean, you are the Rams fan here. You've seen this passing game work. It worked great, especially in the back half of the season last year. Mm -hmm. The difference is the Rams have a quarterback. The Falcons do not. How much does that impact how you feel about this? I mean, the Atlanta Rams are building one heck of a staff. I'll tell you that. I I, I just feel as though without a quarterback, it just leaves so many questions, man. I I know Zach Robinson, you know, he's going to come on there and do his thing. He's been under McVay since 2017. And as we all know, I trust McVay's, you know, judgment and picking the staff and putting people in places. I mean, one of the notables, you know, Zach Taylor was one of those guys that were a QB coach, came on as a pass game coordinator. And look, he's a head coach of the Bengals. So, you know. I feel like the people he keeps around him, they make good judgment. They're good at their jobs. And, you know, we all see them go off and, you know, do incredible things. So, you know, this is great to have some type of Rams present, some type of system that he knows that has actually been proven and worked. It's just them finding a quarterback, man, just get somebody there and then off to the races. Is this enough, Floyo, to make you back in on, on, well, let me just, let me just say it. Are you back in on Kyle Pitts now because of this? <laughs> Don't make him say Probably. it. Probably. <laughs> oh. I'm never going to quit him. Uh, but <laughs> like Laquan said, so much does come down to who the quarterback is. Like, just get Jameis Winston or something like that, and let's have some fun. Like, that. that's what I want to see. Yeah. Uh, but to Laquan's point, like, I, I tried looking up Zach Robinson today, and there's no data out there because he's never called plays before and stuff. But yeah. you know who else didn't call plays under McVay? Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor, Kevin O'Connell, Shane Waldron. There's just a history of success of getting offensive minds who have worked under McVay and Shanahan. So uh, I, I have no problem. I, I, I really like this hiring. I think it could be a great thing for the Falcons. I just There's that final piece, which happens to be the most important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I just I just want to stand next to Sean McVay for like 20 minutes because then I feel like that will (laughs) will increase my chances. It'll be increase my chances of getting hired by an NFL front office or an NFL team to be on the sideline. (laughs) I just if I can say I stood next to him for 20 minutes and maybe we even spoke words to one another like that would go a long (laughs) way toward getting me an NFL job. If I am a team hiring an offensive mind. I'm calling up Shanahan and McVay, and I'm saying, who do you trust? And I'm hiring that person. (laughs) Which is funny, too, because so I would imagine things are different nowadays in the NFL. But I do remember years. I mean, I wasn't alive for it, but hearing the stories of when Bill Walsh uh, was an assistant to Paul Brown, uh, legendary coach, and that teams wanted to hire Bill Walsh. And they would call Paul Brown and ask about him. And Brown would basically just talk trash about Walsh because he didn't want to lose him. Not not because he was bad at coaching. He's like, if I just trash talk him, maybe teams won't want to hire him. 
Um, and then eventually <laughs> Walsh got his own gig and went on to be one of the most successful coaches in NFL history. Nice. Uh, I feel like that probably it's harder to get away with that today because more people talk and there's more, you know, reporters and social media yeah. <laughs> ways to communicate <laughs> things that didn't exist like you know 50 60 years ago yeah <laughs> you got to start rumors like the guy doesn't bathe or something like that yeah. like <laughs> right you know His uh, like so that. bad <laughs> you know like he i'd say that he you know he eats bananas with the peels on but we got a starting quarterback that does oh, that so God. Um, <laughs> dip the banana exactly. in mayo and bite it oh <laughs> <sighs> Legendary. Now my stomach hurts. Now my stomach hurts. Um, which seems like a good re- a good reason to stop doing this podcast for the day. Um, so there we go. Uh, we'll be back with you on Thursday. We'll talk about I don't know what. We'll figure it out. It's only Tuesday right now. I got a couple of days. Leave me alone. Um, anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. For Florio, for Laquan, I am Marcus. Enjoy the week, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.